Every five minutes, someone dies while waiting for a compatible donor heart, liver, or kidney. On a remote island in Lake Superior, a team of geneticists strive to engineer an animal with human-compatible organs, thereby saving millions of lives. But these ancestors are not the docile herd animals they envision. Instead, the project spawns something big, something evil, something hungry. Ancestor by number one New York Times bestselling novelist Scott Sigler is available for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Greetings, adventurers. As you're aware, Dark Dice is a passion project, a hobby that we really enjoy working on, and its popularity is pushing it closer and closer toward a career. We pay our actors, our cast, our mixing engineer, our transcriptionists, and our musicians, and it's to the point where we're almost able to start paying me for the work I do on the show as well, which is frankly unbelievable. Last month marked our five-year anniversary since we started recording, and I'll say it again that we had no idea just how far this adventure would take us. We really appreciate all of you sharing our show with your friends and internet acquaintances, and it's made a really big difference in all of our lives personally. Those who support our Patreon have literally put food on the table for some of our actors and helped our cast and crew through very difficult times. A link to our Patreon is ever in our show notes, along with a free link to transcripts, soundtracks, and an ever-growing horde of free content that we are proud to offer you like tribute to the grandest of dragons. So, on behalf of all of us, thank you for listening, thank you for sharing, and thank you for your support. Housekeeping updates. In November 2023, that's this year, we are going to be doing a bonus round at D&D in a Castle, which is now available and expected to sell out within the month. So if you have any interest in rolling the dark dice with Caitlin and myself as co-DMs in person for roughly 24 hours of gaming in an actual dungeon, this is likely your last opportunity to do so for the foreseeable future. We here at Dark Dice are also taking the month of April off from our show as all of us are going to be in Iceland for a very important event, a wedding. You may not be aware of this, but the voices of Father West Pike and Rowena met while playing Dark Dice in season one, became really good friends, partnered on the Lucky Die podcast, started dating, and a few years later are getting married in real life in just under two months. So we'll all be there and thusly unable to release an episode. However, while you wait, you've got a few options. First, we'll remind you that our first role-playing podcast, Liberty Vigilance, is still available in its amazing 16-episode glory, featuring the voices of Ashley Birch, Space Ghost, Peter Joseph Lewis, Caitlin Statz, and most of the Dark Dice cast. But enough from me. Let's get started. In the climate-ravaged world of 2072, the city of Pura stands as a miraculous green haven. Pura is a geoengineered paradise that protects its fortunate residents from the global catastrophes of heat domes, fires, floods, and droughts. In a time when the world outside is unsafe, it's vital for Pura's existence that people rally behind the purpose of the city, and Demetria Lopez, head of the city's public relations, tirelessly promotes its idyllic image. But when she stumbles on a dark secret that, if exposed, would be the downfall of Pura's existence, she must decide who and what she's willing to protect. From Wondery, the makers of Academy and Dr. Death, The Last City stars actors Ray Seahorn, Jeannie Tirado, and Maury Sterling. Follow The Last City on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of The Last City early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, 
wherever podcasts are available. Shalis de Pace. Salis. Do you seek him? Do you seek him? Do you seek him? Do you seek him? Do you seek the nameless god? You have found yourself among those who roll the dark dice. What you are about to hear happened long ago. A story brought back from the edge of oblivion, dutifully transcribed, and enhanced orally to better captivate your attention. Previously, Rowena and her cousin Sindri departed Ilmater's Hope after an unfortunate incident. Having stolen four horses, they continued on their way toward Westman's Hold to reunite with the Westpike family. Dark Dice, The Long Road, Chapter 4A, Questionable Associates. As the radiant sun gently began to dip behind the distant trees, and as the duo reached the crest of a hill, they noticed a wooden structure about 20 minutes right ahead. The building, presumably an inn, appeared to be equipped with stables, and was located next to a large river that the highway would ultimately pass beyond by means of bridge. Sindri and Rowena remembered this riverside inn as being about halfway between the city of Auden and Ilmer's Hope. A small dirt path gently departed from the main road just before the river's edge, following it eastward through a halfling settlement Sindri had once visited. Hmm. Uh, Father Westpike slows down his horse and looks to Rowena. An inn does not sound bad, does it? Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, I can always try and sink the room and board. Uh, works. I have some coin which we can use. Mm, we're better off using that for things like getting you some rations and whatnot, so... Getting us rations. Yeah, that's, that's what I meant. We will have some soup and bread here. Rowena paused for a moment, crossing another pound of weight off her character sheet, and continued toward the inn. Twenty minutes later, they were before the Riverside Inn, which was equal parts charming and clean. A wide covered wagon was parked nearby, guarded by an armed and armored human with a spear, metal chestplate, and matching helmet. The wide wooden door to the inn looked inviting, made more so by the glow of the fireplace, and muted sounds of conversation through the windows. Do we hear the sounds of another bird? Notably, the sound of music was absent, indicating the lack of a rival bard. Yes! And it was yet near dinner time. A young halfling... Er, <clears throat> actually, we can say that now. Uh, stoutkin or halfling? Let's go with stoutkin still. Stoutkin boy with red hair and freckles, perhaps 15 years in age, saw the team's approach and moved to greet them. A sudden enthusiasm hardly contained for no reason that was readily apparent to the cousins or their horses. Hello, 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 hello. Indeed. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the Riverside Inn. I'm Squabbin, and I'm here to make your stay as easy as possible. Who, who are you guys? Are you mighty adventurers? You are staying the night, right? Squabbin. That's a fantastic name. Yes. Thanks. We intend to stay here for the night. Uh, you have staples, yes? Of course. Right right over here with the green roof. I, I, can, I can help put your horses away for you. If, if you'd like, I, I can do that. The boy was clearly excited at the prospect of guiding such large horses. You can help us, and Father Westpike hands him the leash to the second horse. Thanks. <laughs> okay, okay, um, now for, 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 for four horses, that, 
That would be um, 10, 10 copper for all of your horses for one night. Is that, is that okay? We'll feed them, and I will personally brush each and every one of them. They will be happy horses by the time you wake up, and, and happy horses make for happy travel. I'd like to offer, like, to yourself and other members of your fine establishment that uh, I'm a traveling bard. Oh, really? So, perhaps I can trade at least some of my services with your kind permission, you know. That would be really amazing. I, for one, would love to hear your music. Uh, but there's a problem, my lady. Freyna, the owner of this fine institution, the, the wonderful Riverside Inn, would normally accept your fine offer, except she has a young baby, and for the next few months there's no music after dark. Or during the day, most times. Oh. It's a very strict policy. That's, uh, fairly interesting. Yeah, I'm sorry. You look like you're really probably talented, though. Better than the regulars who stop here. If that dinged-up shield is any indication, I bet you've seen quite a few adventures. Do you have stories you can tell with, without singing? Are you actual adventurers? We are absolutely adventurers, and I'd love to tell you some tales. But that will have to wait for another day. Like tomorrow, perhaps. Oh, okay. Okay. Wait, tomorrow? Yeah, that means you can tell me because I have some extra time tomorrow because it's my birthday in a few days. You guys should totally stick around. There's going to be a celebration and a shipment of elven wine from Hale, and I'm going to be allowed to drink a whole glass. Wow. Yeah. Well, congratulations on reaching, like, <laughs> another year without dying, so good luck on that. Good Thanks. luck. Um, we'll make sure that we, we'll pay our, our tab as we're supposed to. Thank you very much, lad. Okay, uh, but the horses have to be boarded, though. And that's ten copper. Yeah. Like, straight up right now. Yep. I'll take care of that. And then... Is this kid hustling us? <laughs> Insight. <laughs> yes. That's fantastic. Apparently, I love children, so it's a six. <laughs> no, Rowena felt confident that this strapping young, almost a man, was simply entrepreneurial and trying to make a uh. copper where a copper could be found. Yeah, we get off and give the young squabbin the horses. I hand the young lad, like, ten copper pieces. Here you are, lad. Thank you. I didn't even have to do change. Coins vanished inside a coin purse at the boy's belt. A newly crafted coin purse he undoubtedly received as a gift recently. <laughs> um, do you know if they're offering food tonight? Of course. Freyna started a fresh stew an hour or so ago. I look green. Uh, it's okay. I don't like meat either. It'll be ready in about half an hour or so. Gil asked if she could have some, but Freyna said it needed more time to soak up the flavor or something. Oh, a fresh one. We are in locker now. You may have noticed she's gone green. Oh, um... <laughs> yes, um, do you have any side food? Bread and such. Yeah, uh, of course. Uh, we've got, we've got cooked blue potatoes, jerky, and bread, and other things as well. Uh, uh, drinks, tea, ale, wine. Um, uh, we were voted the second best tavern south of Auden. Uh, let us go in. I need to sit down. My back is killing me. Of course. I'll take care of your horses. Enjoy your stay. The boy ran to open the door for Father Westpike and quickly ran back to the horses, realizing he'd let go of them. <laughs> and after a few seconds of struggle, was able to collect the reins for all four horses and ushered them away toward the direction of the stables. Is he actually taking the horses to the stables? He was. Rowena also noticed a small, soft-cover book, more accurately a collection of saddle-stitched pages that would hardly classify as a book, but they were probably quite difficult to acquire nonetheless. 
Can I see what it says? Rowena could try if she really cared. I do care. <laughs> I'm a bard. She's it's gonna a book. steal it. I care. You. <laughs> 13. Volo's Guide to Minding Your Own Business. Oh, Marketing that's... Your Own Business. Sorry, the small letters are hard to read. <laughs> well played, sir. Well played. Inside the inn, it was clear that significant effort had gone into making its main two-story room, which housed numerous booths, clean, bright, and tidy. And a small stage was situated along the back wall, but it was roped off with a sign that read, No Music After Dark in Common. A dark-haired woman with a cane, clearly the proprietor, was sweeping in frustration while two humans and an orc merrily chatted and ate at the nearest booth. Other patrons included a group of four human adventurers loudly fussing over a grand scheme with a small figure over a map. And a final group of three humans in immaculate armor sat at another one of the booths. It took a moment, but Rowena's keen perception also spotted a lone drunk passed out under one of the far booths. This was a large tavern, with the warmth of chatter and burning wood within its hearth. Father Westpike's gonna approach the... the barman? The duo approached the tan-skinned woman, a human who appeared to be considering if a particularly high spiderweb would be worth the effort, and ultimately deciding it was not over the course of the conversation. Uh, hello. Hello. Uh, I'm looking for food and board for two dwarfs. Uh, food and board for two dwarfs? Yes, uh, we have a few rooms available. Would it be a single room or two rooms? Um, whichever is cheaper. We are on a budget. One, I don't know how it is where you come from, but on the surface, one room is almost always cheaper. One bed do, or do you need a double? Prefer two sleeping quarters. Sleeping spaces. Okay, that will be 15 copper for the night, which includes the stew over there. Um, I understood you had bread and potatoes? That comes with a stew. I'm quite tired of stew. It is a tiresome food. I wish to fill myself with something a little bit more wholesome. She shoots you the most, like, relieved look at the world. <laughs> Otherwise, Pike's not completely oblivious. I'm gonna go ahead and say that. Yes, he is. So, uh, bread and potatoes for two dwarfs, please. I'll throw in another copper. <sighs> Picky eaters, eh? I'll start on the potatoes, then. Hey, Brenna, can you get us another round? We need more drinks over here. I'll be with you in a moment. Do you need some help? No, I can handle my job, thank you. Didn't you just have a little one? Yes, I did. Then he grew up. Uh, and that's why I have a second one. One to watch the other when I'm busy. Ah, smart. But you sure you don't want a hand to make things a bit easier for the night? She looked at Rowena appraisingly as poor rolls were made. No, I can handle myself, thank you. Freyna approached the human in armor, eventually moving to grab more beers for them while the eyes of the chuckling group nearby landed on the dwarves. Greetings, travelers. Care to join us? We're having too much fun tonight to keep it to ourselves. A tan-skinned human with patterned tattoos beneath and on the sides of his eyes, which were encircled by thin eyeliner, winked at Father Westpike. Extravagantly flowing sleeves, which ended at the elbows, waved in line with his energetic hand motions over a series of bandoliers, which held a pair of whips, a curved dagger, and a rabdos, a mace-like wand commonly used by wizards. Uh, Father Westpike smiles and says, I may be good at drinking, but I am no good at telling stories. I don't think I am the companionship you're looking for. But my cousin, however... Hey, she, then come. She knows the good ones. Come drink with us. I can buy the first round. And perhaps a second if the stories are any good. <laughs> uh, Father Westpike smiles at Ruana. Uh, she looks a little concerned, and then she just shrugs her shoulders like, 
Why not? Sure. The human sat with two others. First was a smiling orc, covered in the professional garb of a surface merchant guild, clearly enjoying a swig from his deep amber pint. A bronze mace was at his side, as was a strange weapon Rowena recognized as a collapsible spear, and noted its various interchangeable heads on a custom belt over one of his shoulder pads. The third and final figure of this group was a smiling half-elf woman with a uniquely distracting hairstyle which very intentionally pulled attention away from her more elven features, lending to the cousin's original impression that she was human. A guild tattoo on her neck contrasted her pale skin, and though she had facial piercings which gave a sternness to her kind expression, her clothing indicated to Rowena that she was a guild scribe. Armed with a short sword and a series of tubes that undoubtedly contained scrolls, her occupation was confirmed by the bright red quill which undoubtedly possessed some form of magic. So, uh, what occasion precedes such merriment? Oh, dear friends, we have a wonderful trade happening quite soon. We have procured rare and unusual goods that we... that the general elves will pay more than a fair price for. I have it on my very good account that one family most noble is looking for something unique I have in my possession. That is the reason for us to smile, yes? Indeed. Can I incite him? When he says thing, does he mean person? Like, the Turo elves are fairly evil if I remember, so after the blood sacrifice pool as I've seen, been part of recently, um, Rowena is admittedly a skeptic that they're up to anything good. With her roll of a 24, Rowena was sure that it was a person but that it was definitely not her. She felt that these could be bounty hunters, but she had a difficult time placing the human's occupation, as he was dressed in the clothing not of the human realms of Leonhardt, but of the garb of the Azure Kingdom far to the east. So what sort of thing have you got? If you don't mind my asking. <laughs> I can show you if you like. I trade in the most exotic of rare wares, and only the finest of these. But let me finish my drink first, yeah? We have quite the collection, and maybe I'll even part with something so long as you have the coin. I don't quite know how to say this, but you carry yourself like one from the Dwarven guilds, and I always make time for the guilds. <laughs> no, I'm not interested in buying, but uh, I've got a pretty wide range of knowledge of these like uh, rare and exotic goods, uh, especially magical types. So, you're like an appraiser? Yeah, something like that, yeah. That's uh, one of my hobbies. Bah! You are too humble, so you must be quite good. Who are you, appraiser? What was your name? My my name is my name, as, as you'll want to know, of course, who I am. I am Rafash the Smiling of the Far Eye Guild. This is Gil, and he's the Bromel. <laughs> and you've got a very pretty smile, I'd have to say. I can see why you always known as a smiler. The Smiling. Smiling. Oh, sorry, I'm so sorry. A smiler is like an insult, I think, right? Some kind of pervert thing. <laughs> you could take it as that. It could also just mean that he's... You like to smile? <laughs> well, I must be thinking of something else, perhaps. I don't speak this language at home, and it makes difficulty for me sometimes. <laughs> oh, I have to apologize. You know, you know, different cultures and whatnot. It's always good to learn these sort of things. Don't take anything I said as any sort of intended insult. Oh, no, 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 no. And I like dwarves. We just studied, actually, with some dwarves most recently. And I know a few words in dwarvish. Oh, eh? Aye. <laughs> Things go profitably. <laughs> that is how it go. Tell you what, I can show you the wares, and you can tell me what you feel they're worth, aye? Yeah, that'll be great. Well, the Westpike is holding his mug and walking with it now, if we're walking anywhere. Rafaj the Smiling passed Rowena a fresh mug on her way out the door. 
assuming she would accept it. I will take it. I will take a sip. The drink had one blessing, and it did not taste of putrid rot. <laughs> Instead, it tasted of ash and ammonia. Oh. Yeah, but she won't drink a lot. She'll just do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll try it. Not trying much more of that. She's going to probably do that sort of thing. All right, my friends. Right this way. The duo, now armed with pints, was led outside to a covered wagon where, with a twirl of his rhabdos, the cover magically rose and extended, creating a covered viewing area for the assorted goods within. The human guard, who was not expecting Rafaj's magic, was briefly startled, then proceeded to fake his surprise into a wide stretch. Each of these has extremely valued properties and is a true rarity. Look upon my collection in wonder and tell me what you think they're worth. Rafaj spoke with a grandiose wave as the trailing cloth, roughly eye-level for the dwarves, waved by to reveal a series of metal cages, each housing a different living creature. The colors almost implied a circus of curios, but the creatures within. First is a rare cycloptic bright-coated gaze lemur of the Underkingdom. Is it a horrible abomination of the deep elves or giants? Or perhaps curious mutation from living in close proximity to their foul magics? None can be sure. But surely such a rare find is of interest to a steam collector or a dwarven child who you forgot to buy a gift for. Its former master, an evil, foul, devlin princess trained to a variety of every commands, including sitting, stay, eat, and my favorite, dance. Dance! The small, brightly striped creature in the immaculate cage began a sad jig, rubbing its small shackles over hairless patches of skin. <laughs> I'm sorry, my... He, as soon as he says this word, he, he like, his, like, Sidra's face kind of drops. My... Wife is not a fan of uh, small creatures. They unsettled her. Oh, it is my fault. It is my fault. I did, I did not mean to unsettle you. Let me show you something else. Okay, uh, here. Wingless but feathered. I have with me for a brief time that which the elven prince so rightly desires. An evil beast. A chimera. Capable of creating any sound imaginable with perfect accuracy. The cage which Rafaj motioned to housed a stoutkin-sized gaunt humanoid with a bird-like head and talons, feathered, and with weary brown eyes that glared at the human with an unexpected hatred as the voice of Rafaj was produced from its mouth. Greetings, I am unfeathered, beauty, capable of creating any sound imaginable with perfect accuracies. I said accuracy. Rafaj placed a threatening hand over the rhabdos, and the creature fearfully replied, Capable of creating any sound imaginable with perfect accuracy. It took little effort for the cousins to see through Faja's smile and find the measure of the man beneath. So, what do you think is worth? Well, let me see what else you got. Sometimes things are worth a lot more when you have a set, you know. Ah, true. Well, there is only one thing more, and I doubt you'll be able to outbid my employer for it. But... I would love to know what you feel it's worth. I don't We'd love to see it. Uh, uh, y- yes, yes, yes. Yes, while I haven't saved the best for last per se, I have a beauty here. One of the most beautiful creatures your eyes will ever gaze over. But as a wild force of nature and the Under Kingdom, she's most certainly evil. A rare specimen on the surface of an actual devil. Uh, Delvin. Uh, 
steep elf from a foul city far beneath our feet. Captured only just a month past by a brave dwarven warriors and traded to me uh, with incredibly expensive cages as you see before you. A such monster must be kept within magical containment or else it could place a curse upon us. <laughs> we have re already received an offer from House Casafix, uh, who apparently intend to experiment upon her with a noble goal of one day bringing light back to the Darklands. Something to do with uh, trisection or dissection or quadsection? With the messy hair of copper color and bruised blotchy skin, the delven woman behind Rafage was gaunt and exhausted from having undergone some recent form of torture. The lateral lines, that is to say the rows of extrasensory pores that ran along her sides, allowing her to see in the dark, so to speak, almost resembled freckles, and her ears somehow felt more bat-like than the other types of elves. A small pattern of bioluminescence was present along her arms, chest, and face, lending to the impression of a subterranean flare. But there was no malice behind her amber eyes, no fangs along her blank expression. Humans and dwarves alike had made up demons where there were none, but whatever cruelty deep elves were unlikely deservingly renowned for, a far worse injustice had been imposed upon this woman, whose mind clearly drifted to thoughts far away from the dwarves, the wagon, or the riverside inn. So, what do you think? Care to make a friendly appraisal in exchange for some drinks? So, let me get this straight. There's a cycloptic lemur, there's a feathered chimera, and there's a deep elf. Perhaps, uh, perhaps we should go in and drink on it. I mean, no ever good, no, you know, being a bad and all, I can tell this is true. No story has ever started out with, we were sober at a pub. This is true, but we're all two or three drinks in. <laughs> ah, but I'm not. See, I've only had like a sip of this before you brought me out here to view your wares. It's hardly fair. We've got to catch up. With another wave of his rhabdos, the canvas once again moved to cover the wagon's wares. And the guard was caught off guard a second time. A few paces later, the trio returned to their seats within the warmth of the bar. So, my friends, that's what I've been up to. Now, how about you? I see that you're a noble from your uh, little shirt thing. Rafage motioned to the Cordalum emblem, clearly visible on Rowena's chest plate. Uh, yeah, as I said, I might be a professional appraiser for a certain, uh, for a certain guild. Well then, what do you think they're worth? What do I think they're worth? Yeah. Well, to be honest, it looked like she's a bit cracked and broken, so I don't think she's worth very much. And uh, Well, uh, she's a... Uh... Think of her as uh, not as a living thing, but as a resource for tests. She's clearly delving, clearly sinister, clearly evil. Now, what if you had a living one to experiment on? There's various like weapons, magics. That's pretty useful for your clan. Now you have an advantage over the delvins in a fight. It's a pretty interesting prospect, I have to say. That is the value prospect that I intend to say to House Casafix. I'm sorry. Uh Father Westpike spent a bunch of time in the crack. Do I know other light-sensitive creatures? Something I know that would stay away from where the light would shine down the crack? Light sensitivity is known to be common among delven orcs, some giants, dwarves, and even humans who spend enough time below ground, and among certain monsters. Some creatures even lose their powers under the light of the glorious morning lord. Perhaps not quite to the same level as vampires, but Father Westpike had only heard rumors or legends at best, and lacked first-hand experience with these matters. He also currently believed that wolves were among the light-sensitive, after misunderstanding a story about a farmer who scared away a wolf with a torch. 
as I said, she's a little bit cracked and broken. I mean, you want someone who's natural, so to speak, because you don't exactly know how, how terribly you've broken her, because you could have broken to her to the point where she doesn't act like she would normally. You know, maybe she's coming around to this whole light thing if you've been, uh, you know, not dealing with her correctly. And that creature Oh, no, no, I, I took the cautions. She came straight from the dwarves. She came straight from my lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They they captured her very well. Good conditions, so yeah. There's there's they they, they took her to the surface, uh, which is where I was, and then I took from Vulas and brought here. I I've been sure not exposed her directly to light. Father Westpikes wants to inset the guy. He's talking a lot about the the drow. Does he seem desperate to get rid of her, or is he just playing her up to see if he can get a good price? That's a 21. Father Westpike felt confident that he hoped to start a bidding war between the Dwarven Guild he assumed he represented as nobles, because of (coughs) reasons, and the elves. Uh, And that other thing you got, is it the speaking bird parrot? Oh yes, unfortunately I cannot sell you him. He's completely off the table? This is, um, he's like him, um, if you have 50 platinum, we talk. You're absolutely shitting me. I mean, come on, I mean... The three of them together, I probably wouldn't even give you a silk. I mean, probably wouldn't even give you a one platinum for the lot of them. Do you know why? She's broken and not as she's supposed to be. That cycloptic thing only responds to dance. I mean, what the bloody hell is that? It's weird and bizarre, and that can go straight back down. I don't know. Let's chuck it down the crag or something. Here's your stew, dears. Uh, yeah, Father Westpike pushes the stew away and says, Stew! I'll take it if you don't want it. Yeah, he pushes it towards that fork. <laughs> Knowing they Thanks! <laughs> uh, sorry, they seem to have messed up our orders. Uh, I'll be right back. Well, don't um, worry about it. Don't worry about it. We're in the middle of a decent conversation here. As I said, everything starts with drinking, not eating. Ah. Ah, come on. So so why 50 Platinum? Why is he so special to you or who you're selling him to? Why is he wanted? I'll tell you in a few drinks. In a flash, it was almost an hour later. The drinks had arrived, Rafage and his men had partaken in a few glasses, slyly giving a more accurate appraisal of the elven woman, and the cycloptic bright-coated gaze-lemur took only the most polite of sips, avoiding her mug as much as was dwarvenly possible, while Father Westpike, concerned about the discussion, drank in nervous moderation, afraid that action might soon be taken. So, to answer your question from earlier, the creature I have is a rare chimera. Not just a word stealing thing, as I mentioned, but a mimicker of gestures and movement. So it's not just anything, it's something special. Yes. Do you... Um, do you know the story of the Chimera? Have you heard how they are the spawn of terrible alchemical experiments? Of course I have! I'm a bad! Okay, good, good. Clearly no history lesson needed for Dwarven Bard. You probably know history lesson better than I, perhaps. Well, certainly, yeah. Okay, so think this. You were looking at a smith who can recreate any elven room, any dwarven weapon. He just must see the weight is forged once. Imagine what a weapon he could be to rival a forge or for a royal armor or a dying art form. So many often look the ways of magic and think it's magical, but Overlook the practical applications behind such wonders. Yeah, I can see that. Why'd the Kodalam not buy it from you? <laughs> well, you can buy him back if you have the coin. <laughs> ah, we sold him. Ah, 
I understand why it's going to be worth at least 50 platinum to you. Yes, yes. You have to think, young girl. Hey, think. just because I'm young doesn't mean... Just because I look as beautiful as I am doesn't mean I'm as young as I look. Don't assume anything. Apologies, married lady. Thank you. And she just looks confused because I think she missed that girl. <laughs> <laughs> your, uh, your husband is certainly beautiful too. In his own way. He's, uh... He's... You have good tastes. He's a nice man. I could tell from his eyes. Uh, Father West Pike is spitting his spear back into the back. <laughs> what? Uh, no. Rowena just like pats him on the back. Like, it's alright then, love. You take your, <coughs> take your drink one at a time. And we both know that you can't, uh, can't be drinking your drink like that, love. And I'm just going to give him back a peck on the cheek because it's just funny to her. I, I, I feel it's not quite as valuable for the woman. She's obviously worth more than a wagon from the value of such research. Like you said, but perhaps not as much as I'd, not as much as I'd hoped. Uh, I lean back and I try and order, like, even stronger booze for these guys. Uh, Frenna, I want, like, the strongest thing you have to drink. Aye, aye, uh, the strong shit, see. A lot of us are celebrating, so at least bring one over for him. And I point to the dude we've been chatting with, Rafaj. And obviously my husband. I gotta get him one too. Gotta be careful about what I'm drinking. So uh, <laughs> no, no, no. Get us two of the strongest. We're celebrating. So please. Oh, congratulations! Yeah. She nods back and winks. <laughs> I really hope Sindri can't see this. Oh, Sindri heard all of this, and he's staring into his mug like, like Jesus fucking Christ. The chatter and drinking continued, and a few minutes later, Freyna returned with the strong shit. Spirits so potent they could be smelled even before they reached the table. Oh, oh excellent. Uh, I'll tell you what, I'll... I'll um... It'll be five copper for the drinks. They're special spirits. Yeah, that's fine. And I'm just going to give her the five copper. All right. Uh, at one point, Follow West Pike takes this super strong drink that she bought him. And he smiles at Rowena. Drink up, And, love. like, puts it... I mean, I've got to get you to, to drink, drink this. Come on. Yeah. And then she would just, like, whisper into his ear and make it look affectionate. It's like... We need to get him really drunk. We need to get them three. Yeah, you're. Uh, he chucks it back down, and then like a like a dwarvish goes like, "Yeah, that's right." Like, As a Constitution like, saving throw was rolled. <laughs> oh, I'm so crap. sorry. Haha, <laughs> <laughs> twenty. Father Westpike was in good spirits as he drank good spirits, retaining his wits as the warmth spread throughout his body. He had no idea what manner of drinks they were, but surely they were delicious, and would have no difficulty felling an ogre. Uh, Rowena, honey, this is very good. <laughs> oh my God, you fucking idiot. Has he recognized the name? <laughs> 16. Rafaj was focused on having a good time, and in doing so, he achieved peak drunk condition, which for some reason made him less chatty. His half-elven assistant, however, the one of the quill, seemed to perk up at the mention of this name with apparent interest as more drinks arrived before Rafaj and his assistants. Cordalum, you said? Yep, that'd be me. You're actually a member of the Cordalum Guild. She points at the symbol on her chest. Yep, that's me. Drop it, Guild. We said we're having fun. No bringing businesses into this. Uh, this is just a fun night of drinks among friends. <laughs> sure. Yes, it is. Yeah, exactly. Unless you want to buy something, uh, we'll always let you buy if you have the coin. I fear that my ba- money is better spent on booze than broken women. Don't you forget. <laughs> <laughs> she won't let me forget. 
uh, Father Westpike gets whatever's left of the muck he spit in earlier, <laughs> clinks it against whoever's sitting close to him, and chucks the rest of it. The other patrons briefly stopped their conversations, impressed by Father Westpike's display of drinking prowess, before going back to their respective affairs. Clearly, they had never seen a dwarf of Westman's drink. One of them actually stood to pat Sindri on the back before returning to his corner. <laughs> that was quite impressive. Thanks! Father Westpike's gonna stay off the, the, the religious salatism, and he's more just gonna tell drinking stories and just whatever he can. He doesn't have many. How <laughs> drunk is he at this point? I am assuming after you gave him the A-OK on the strong stuff, <laughs> he kind of <laughs> gave up trying not to drink. And just okay. like, Rowena has a... She's got a plan. Uh, but he... You notice this? He sometimes puts the mugs kind of close to you. As the next half hour of drinking continued, Father Westpike required one more constitution saving throw. As these drinks were among the strongest in the bright veil, Deemed not hazardous for human consumption. Can I? Can I? Oh man, I was about to say, can I inspire him? But he's okay. He's got it. You can inspire me if you want. To which Freyna once again threateningly motioned to the sign that read, No music after dark. I have rhymes, yo. Do you have rhymes about not getting drunk? <laughs> I can't come up with anything quick, so try not to be sick. <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> and he was inspired. That's uh, a six, baby. Yay! And only moderately tipsy, thanks to his hearty dwarven constitution. You, you know you guys are good. <laughs> you're, you're good guys. So, what kind of name you got for that child when it births? Uh, sorry, I'm, 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 I'm not good at future tense in this language. What is your name of your child, future tense? Oh, we'll probably, probably name them something called Alam. You know. Wait, wait, she's <laughs> of course she's pregnant. We just talked this. I'm glad you have caught the conversation, the Brummel. I don't know much, but you really shouldn't drink when you're pregnant. Yeah, but it's actually safer than the water. I'm not sure I trust you. <laughs> this is kind of strong. Strong drink for strong lady. Such a charmer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that word. <laughs> the drinking and laughter continued. But for the sake of runtime, the DM was forced to ask what Rowena's plan was as the evening grew darker. My plan is to, to wait for this guy to pass out. <laughs> I'm just hoping he passes out before, uh, before Father Westpoke. And if not, I guess I'm going solo. After a certain point, Rafage stopped purchasing additional drinks. I'm I'm making sure this dude gets the good stuff, and I'm also keeping a bit of an eye on that scribe. As Rafaj politely refused his next round of drinks, Rowena would require a peer pressure. I, I mean, persuasion check. Oh, really? Fine. I don't need any more drink. I think I drink uh, enough. Twelve. But do you know what? Maybe just one more. This is this is my last one. I nurse this one through the through the light hours and then I find the sleeps. And then we live and make an obscene amount of money. Sounds like a good idea. That sounds like human talk to me. You should be you should be drinking like a dwarf. But what about A good night doesn't end until at least one of us throws up. <laughs> yes! Persuasion. That's a seventeen. I'm so proud of you. Uh the Brummel. Here, boss. Got caravan for night. Yeah, boss. 
Leave the drink with me. <laughs> oh, hey, I, I have a, I have an idea. You there, humans, in the next booth, come over here. What? what? Join us for tricks. We're buying if you're pleasant stories to share. <laughs> yeah, tell us nice stories. He's making a ruckus, right? I'm going to put like two silver on the bar and tell her to make sure everyone has like the really good shit. With the prospect of free drinks, the humans forgot their planning to join the table, and over the course of the next hour spoke of their adventures at Colt's Point, adding a tall tale here and there about an encounter with unusually intelligent bears, an executioner and her lover, a gnome-sized bard with a magical accordion, and a fair-voiced maiden rescued from an outhouse with a faulty door who turned out not to be a maiden at all. While they're, uh, while they're telling tall tales, can we take the opportunity to sneak out? Both of you? <laughs> okay, that that would be tough. Like, oh yes, hey guys, we're we're gonna have to go to the bathroom at the same time. A totally normal dwarven <laughs> thing. We just don't like public restrooms. No, 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 no. Fuck it. I've got an even better idea. If that fails, I have a backup plan. So you're, yes, you're gonna try and disappear. Yes. <laughs> that required a successful stealth check. All right. Uh, well, I got a fourteen. <laughs> Well, there's a two on the die. <laughs> Rowena gradually oh, removed herself sorry. more and more from the conversation without notice. She avoided drinking, and her smile became more even, her amused laughter shifting to nods until one moment her presence was simply absent, filled by the amused laughter of the other humans. Oh, she's gone. I think we're doing the thing. Father Westpike did his best to slowly back away, but a large human hand firmly found his shoulder. Hey, you're... You're gonna miss the best part of the story. God damn it, Aethor. So, <laughs> noticing that my partner in crime is not there, I'm just gonna go back for him. And I lean over and like, um, excuse me, but we need to have a little bit of quiet time when it's just the two of us. So we thought we'd sneak out a bit quiet, like, but uh, apparently he's uh, not quite as subtle as he used to be. And I'll grab him with a... I'll put my arms around him and just, like, pull him out. And a bit of a, an over-exaggerated wink to the, the guys. Uh, the rooms are that way, guys. <laughs> yeah, but sometimes you really like freedom. You know, the feeling of the air on the... So we're going to go outside. Father Westbank does the biggest shoulder shrug <laughs> in the fucking world. She's like... <laughs> Brain is scowled. A scathing motherly scowl. Father Westpike, who was the only visible target to Freyna, took one psychic damage as his psyche was crushed under its weight. But he was able to escape and walk outside without anyone being the wiser or any diminishment of the merriment around that table. And with that, their daring plan was underway. Dark Dice, Chapter 4A, Questionable Associates, featuring Jeff Goldblum as the Silent One, Ethor Vitherson as Father Sindri Westpike, and Ham Cleveland as Rowena Granitepike, featuring the voices of Dallas Wheatley, Daniel Munoz, Lauren Clare, Andrea Somville, B. Apaday, and Florian Seidler. This episode was produced and edited with sound design by Travis Vengroff, mixed and mastered by Marissa Ewing of Hemlock Creek Productions. This episode featured music by Stephen Malin, Brandon Boone, and Travis Vengroff. To support this production and get access to bonus releases, music, world lore, art, and early access to future adventures and D&D materials, please join our Patreon at patreon.com slash foolandscholar. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram as at darkdicepod. 
This is a Fool and Scholar production. Thank you for listening. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.